Three, two, one. Okay, let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, uh, evening, whatever time of the day it is that you are listening to The Point of Everything. This is a new episode, and we are here with myself, Keelan Sherlock, Owen O'Sullivan sitting across from me, and Ashling O'Reardon sitting right next to me, giggling already at my... Hi, Keelan. Hi, Ashling. Hey, Owen. Hey, Keelan. Um, today, we're going to start off with um, a topic... Hashtag Brilliant Irish Bands was a thing that was trending on Twitter in Ireland last week, and we had some differing views on what it meant. Um, Owen? Well, yeah, it, was, it started from De Laurentos, who I, I have the post up now. It's I'm going to joe.ie, a website I don't really like going to, particularly not for, you know, to get my I am, Irish music. I am hardcore joe.ie clickbait. <laughs> I'm like all over it every really? day. Really? Yeah, I hate it about myself. Ugh. Shout out to Joe. I kind of hate you for it as well. But yeah, they they just posted about it after it. It had been trending like last Wednesday or Thursday. It started from a tweet that Delarentos sent um, on the 18th of August. So that would have been. Would you read it? I actually haven't read this tweet. Would you read it out there? Because I'm interested to see what they had to say. We would now like For to once. spend 15 minutes telling you about brilliant Irish bands who are brilliant. All RTs and comments greatly appreciated. Why um, only 15 minutes? You sh- and Let's not start on a negative <laughs> note because you know where I'm going to bring this. And and then they were like, uh, you should check out Mods and Cahoots. They are great. And then they just put up a YouTube um, video. And then the Stripes got in on that. And they were like, why not? Hashtag brilliant Irish bands. And then tagged some really questionable brilliant irish fans raglan's the hot sprockets the <laughs> academic the frames and ash official gavin james got in on yes because nobody knows about the frames and ash <laughs> at all nobody knows about them gavin james got in on it hashtag brilliant irish bands tagging codeline deck green paddy casey music <laughs> little hours bands the academic hudson taylor orla gartland gray gallagher <laughs> Um, yeah, and Codeline got in on it. Do, do I need to go on? I'm I'm enjoying this the greatly. I have to say, <laughs> is that like this is this is what the voices of our um of our music industry in Ireland are are telling to the world. You, you know, can, you can feel my blood boiling as I'm reading it out. Codeline say feel we should chime in on this as a brilliant Irish band. I guess uh, check out Overhead, the Albatross, the Academic, Delarento's own only rivals, and the Minutes. And yeah, it goes on. Like it started trending last last Tuesday, and lots of people um, were tweeting it. I, I I think it started trending. Yeah, I kind yeah, of yeah. My my uh, my band Morningville's got a shout out from Deviant, which was uh, a very high honor in my opinion. Can I say a controversial thing already? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah. Keep sure. saying a controversial thing already. Those people that you've just named out in th- that kind of elongated list from Codeline or like Gartland, the Stripes. That was only five tweets, <coughs> and you know there was about twenty. Yeah, that's only five tweets. W- what would you, you know, those bands would come from similar management? Would you think definitely, or else all of those, all their management are really good buddies. Yeah, like th- all of those people are from a very similar background in the Irish music industry. Keep keep in mind as well, though it is Joe Daddy. Um, uh, I I could have found, I could have clicked on the hashtag, and you know come across yeah. 15 other bands who are <coughs> tweeting about in w- like in one way you bands. want to go like why not brilliant irish bands the stripes are right why not brilliant irish bands but i don't listen to music because of geography 
I've nothing I've nothing to do with those people or I don't enjoy any of their music because they're Irish and I won't enjoy any of it just because they're Irish. So that's it's just a kind of a fruitless concept. If you're going to go ahead and start some kind of brilliant Irish bands hashtag and try to get people um I don't know, interested in Irish bands they might not have heard of or uh, get that going globally, fine. But instead of sitting at home on Twitter saying hashtag Ash official, like go to a gig and go go list go buy their album or something. Like it's such a pointless, like avenue list thing to do is to like start a hashtag and just like none of those tweets say anything really. They don't do anything for anyone. Um, I don't know what what kind of worldwide reach do Del Rentos have anyway. You know, <laughs> I and you know what I I I agree with what Keenan's saying, but also it is it is a nice little thing to do. You know, when we all we're all getting bogged down in how shit things are in Ireland in general, um, and it is a nice thing to do. Um, if you're going to look at it in, in a positive way, but like, how much like are they just talking to themselves really? Well, they have fifteen thousand followers. Yeah, but are they all Irish? You yeah, know, they, you know, like I don't see, I don't see them, you know, going to America and playing big festivals there. I don't see them, and this is no bad reflection on the De Laurentos, but I mean, like, I- in terms of like, we're going to talk about brilliant Irish bands, like, you know, what, what's their actual well, reach I mean, like? Like, you know? what do you, what do you say anything on Twitter? I guess you know, you just want to promote something or give it a shout out. Yeah, I it mean, says more about Twitter, and it says more about the bands and it does about th- their yeah. reach or their fans i think i mean um, i was worried talking about this just because i thought oh i think we might be a little too snarky about it but i mean the thing it comes back to and keelan you you were saying this when we were talking about talking about it uh yesterday that brendan canty earlier this week kind of suggested something along these lines that irish people are always looking for vindication and that's kind of what i felt like when i was reading you know so many people suddenly like tagging all of these bands they wanted vindication from people or they wanted to be seen as look at me i'm supporting irish music and you know tagging all all these bands and i just kind of felt okay but like when was the last time you paid money for a gig exactly i mean they might have paid money for the gig on yeah some people might have but like it seemed self like the whole thing is self-congratulatory on the behalf of the people writing tweets not even for the bands it's not even saying oh, well done to these bands for being great, even though it's under the guise of brilliant Irish bands, it's actually not really doing that. What it is is saying, hey, I'm aware of these things that you don't know about, but it's all under the guise of supporting Irish music. We know that most people aren't really supporting Irish music. A lot of the people who were doing those, uh, who were that I saw tweeting, were radio presenters, radio stations. We talked about this earlier in the week. Why don't you just play some Irish music on your radio station then? <coughs> TV presenters, TV radio TV stations, all these kind of people, uh, band managers, who are clearly just putting their own bands on it. Well, you know, the whole thing is like really self-congratulatory, and it comes down to what we were saying last week of this like real need to hope that someone else is watching us the whole time, like an episode of Lost or something. You know, that's what Ireland kind of feels like in a music industry way is like maybe someone's watching. Sure, don't we have Hosier out in the world? So maybe someone's gonna pick up on hashtag brilliant Irish yeah, like I suppose so that that comes from um, I suppose that comes from like if you look I, I, it's something that's interested me in the last while is um, you know acts in England like Laura Merling and Leanne Le Havis who in my mind like Laura Merling I f- was huge um, a good you know f- 
six seven years ago with that first album but I feel like I haven't heard, really heard anything about her since uh, maybe because I haven't been looking but um, you I, know, I really recommend her last album short, short movies I have it there it's, okay. it's great cool thank you um, brilliant English fans <laughs> <laughs> um, but in England it seems a lot easier to sustain yourself as an artist because the country is bigger and you have a lot more places to tour you have a lot more people but in Ireland there isn't that many people here it's a tiny little island so and we've got very big ambitions so it is quite hard to sustain yourself as a band because in in a way even even like international bands that come they'll play dublin and if you're lucky they might play um belfast as well and if you're really lucky they might play galway and cork and limerick but that's like a really rare occasion so it's like you've got f- four places five places on the island that people play you know and and it's hard to get people out of those places to go to those gigs as well yeah but i mean like, like it's you're just taking a risk each time it's just so it's um you know so i feel like that the the validation from outside is more a thing in in every irish band's head of longevity and sustainability in that they want to um sustain themselves and they want to be able to keep gigging you know 20 20 years time you know that's the way that's the way i would see it anyway in that um i think that it's yeah which brings me to to like the point that i kind of make all the time which is why are you making music why are why are you interested in the music industry like nearly a lot of these people weren't fans that started the these tweeting they were music industry people and what bothers me is the need to have an industry rather than to have something tangible that's of good quality in ireland because that's what we have gone to you know we've had people go to america and and go to the uk and get jobs and they've come back and they've started companies and it's just this huge like whirlwind thing of trying to seem like we are as professional and as a big deal as other countries are and like the fact is we're not but we do have like other great things that we can offer which is um look at all the amazing festivals that are tiny that are happening all over the country that are really different to the things that we were talking about recently like longitude and latitude and stuff like that really like tangible beautiful feelings where you get to play in hotels in i don't know west clare and stuff like that that ireland is always looking for like the um i don't want to say like the dublin ethos of stuff but like the london ethos of of doing things and so like okay to bring it back to the hashtag brilliant irish bands it's that's something that is like on twitter and it's just kind of unimportant but it what it's doing is validating the people that work in the music industry not validating the bands really and it's kind of it reeks of like desperation is that okay to say yeah i suppose you can say whatever you want <laughs> really, but um within reason we're yeah, better than this this is all i'm saying no, yeah no but races. then again like the i don't know when you when you think of um i understand where you're coming from in that you know people make music for different reasons but the reason you make music is completely different to the reason that like gavin james makes music you know it's two different things and um but not have you asked gavin james that question probably i've never met the man <laughs> i'm not i'm not going to put words in his mouth but i don't know either um i mean like did you did you guys like hashtag brilliant irish bands no. and, like tag a couple of people i mean why not like why didn't 
you want to kind of join into it. I didn't either. Um, I, I just kind of thought, oh, this is kind of the thing for today that people on Twitter are going to be talking about. They but want to kind of join in on it. I didn't. I didn't do it because I, my. If anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that my Twitter isn't that active, um, because I just, I'm just not into it at the moment. But, um, I don't know. I just prefer to just go listen. I don't know. It's something we've been. I've been talking about recently as well. Is that like it's great to talk about things, but you know you could just go do them as well, and that you could go buy the album, or you could go buy a ticket to their gig or you could go put on a gig for that act you know what I mean like th- it's 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 uh the time for talking about things um I feel is over she says on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you I think what you actually just reminded me there is that what I said about it being desperate is actually that's uh, unfair I think I think it seems like shallow do you know what I mean about that I think it seemed a little bit shallow the whole thing and like that's that's what I mean about it says more about Twitter than it does about brilliant Irish like bands. the fact that there were so many bands tagged and it seemed like at times it was just kind of friends of bands just tagging them and stuff and it just kind of continued on and it's still kind of going and it's like okay I don't know if they're brilliant I mean <laughs> music music is so subjective as well that okay like you you do believe that it's nobody like nobody can tell you what you're gonna like and you know people can suggest things to you but you know that's the thing that we all learn is that like you know you can go on to music blogs and that and get suggestions of things but nobody's ever going to tell you what you like but as well like there was no um uh like message behind it it was just kind of needless kind of uh saying that these are the bands that i like you know it was like okay but why i mean like but that's every day that's just what you do every day lists no just say what you like <laughs> just do what you like and and you're just looking for vindication though aren't you i mean you want to get like retweeted by delarentos you wanted to you want to get like retweeted by there yeah i guess so i got retweeted by elder tiernan like two weeks ago and i was so happy with <laughs> myself if i don't know the the delarentos twitter thing is kind of weird anyway because um i don't know whoever does the social media for them it's just like I, i've been followed by them about six or seven times but it seems like it's like a follow to get a follow back but i don't know i don't know if they're very much in control of their social media i don't know i think delarentos are kind of one of the good guys in irish music you know oh god no i'm not saying anything about them as people or anything like that but i suppose like if you're going to boil it down to basics um it is it is a way for them to be written about on joe.ie and on state Mm. and all of those it is a way for them their names to get back in because like oh they're the champions of this great thing but at the end of the day it's just a nice thing you know yeah it's just a nice thing that to to kind of it, it's it's and it's i suppose i if i'm going to look at it positively what i found interesting was to see um not so much what codeline were saying but like you know as i was saying like what what deviant who deviant thought were brilliant irish bands and you know people like the altar is like i don't think they did it but you know i as i said i didn't really look into this too much but um it was it was just interesting to see what people are into you know, because it's it'll sometimes surprise you. So, if we're going to look at it at it in a basic positive level, then I think that it was just a nice thing. I think not that many people did put that much thought into it a lot of the time, though. You know, it's kind of like, okay, can I think of five Irish bands that I can tag? I, I suppose okay. as well, people were just like this, and then it gets into like you know, you're trying to think of the most obscure things so that you can say something that someone else didn't, and you know. Yeah. Do. 
Do you think like we're being unfair though? I mean, do you think like any exposure for an Irish band? Like, we're definitely being unfair. Yeah, I like, know I am. Yeah, but I I'm mean, also being honest. But like, just a mention on Twitter for a band is that like okay? That's not, it depends. Not it depends on what every band wants. Like, do do bands want to be talked about on Twitter? Or do they want to make good music. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm with that. You know, it's like just go do it. Like, <laughs> is there anything else that we need to say about this? I just mean, go make music, everyone. Make good music. Yeah. Done. <laughs> I'm with that. Okay, so we talked about hashtag brilliant Irish bands. What about hashtag brilliant Cork gigs? Does that work? Was that you linking it that together? Link, yeah, I, I don't think there's a hashtag for that, which is probably... Um, yeah, last week was pretty exciting. And I think we talked about it very briefly last week, me and Ashling, that there's some weeks where nothing happens at all. And then there's some weeks where you can't afford to go to Cork, go to gigs in Cork. Um, last summer, week, summer can be so precarious. Yeah, really. And like August is very strange in general. So like we had um, Deerhoof on Tuesday night, Riley Walker in the Triscoll on Wednesday night. Was there anything Thursday? Well, I went to some covers gigs that were very good. Freeman's Folly and Charities and Bl- Hapwood Animals in The Crane. Oh yeah, Paddy Freeman who is releasing, who has a funder going for his album at the moment. I think he just released a single, Cherry Blossom Yes, the I only watched a little bit of the video, but it's very beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And Friday we had Peanut Butter Wolf in... And Breakbeat Lou. Oh yeah, and Breakbeat Lou in Cypress Avenue. Saturday... She Schroeder was Saturday. I was very very sick. <laughs> yeah, I was a little hungover from Friday night. I didn't go a to see Schroeder, and then Sunday was Sunday Times in the Bowery, which I sick. I hadn't been to the Bowery in since they moved since they changed it around. And we have talked about like venues in Cork, but I was very surprised and also like pleased to see that they had con- done a lot of work in there and. It it's a it's a place that could do some. It's good really things. cool. I really loved um a summer or two ago when they were doing the um. Was the Sunday night gigs upstairs there? Yeah, summer Sunday gigs. Yeah, yeah. they were great. Um, they were really, really nice. Um, and as well, if it was any way sunny, it was nice to just sit there. But yeah, I've been to it was wha- one Sunday times there at Christmas. Um, and it was mental. They've but really done the place up. It really looks yeah. good. Um, should and we? What, what have they changed about it? Well, it's longer and it's bigger and it's a bit warmer and the the bar is in a nicer place and it like looks more like a club or a nightclub would. Are they going to kind of change like the kind of personnel they go for, or do you think they'll kind of play it by ear? I wouldn't say so. No. They're pretty busy. No, no, no. They're they're doing okay with what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, it's good that Sunday Times has a home, and I think as well it kind of opens it up to um to that audience as well. Um, and it seems like every time that they do it these days, it's absolutely rammed. Like mm. you know, you can't. There's queues like at about twelve o'clock, which is crazy good. This weekend had a lot of dancing, which was like good to see in, in the city as well. Yeah, I suppose it was just nice um, to have a week where you had something to do every single night, um, and some um, really good gigs as well. Like, because um, I, I I went to I went to Deerhoof on Tuesday, 
and that was just like unbelievably good i'm not really overly familiar with their catalog but it just blew me away it really really just woke me up because every i've been going to a lot of gigs this summer and just not really enjoying myself and that was like the first gig in ages where i was just like wow this is making well, me why haven't you been enjoying yourself i don't you know just, just, not, just right not connecting yeah. wasn't connecting with it just like like i don't know sometimes when you do gig organization you get a bit too um bogged down in the details yeah so when you go to other gigs you just look at those details instead of actually just letting yourself oh, go and enjoying okay. yourself you're kind so of like analyzing okay if i was doing this gig what would i do differently yeah a little bit oh, yeah. Interesting. yeah 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 and so why why could you kind of switch off for deer hoof they were just so They're good just that good they just they, there was no um there was nothing the, it, the sound was so ferocious that there was no option but to just listen and enjoy it it's a great word ferocious ferocious yeah um and they were just they're, they're yeah very good they really meant it they like really yeah they really even though they were really jet lagged and uh the guitarist had uh, like uh, on the flight from america to ireland the guitarist's guitar had been broken in half by oh baggage no. handlers and he was telling i was talking to him afterwards and he was saying that like he had to just basically clamp it back together and glue it back together but he'd built it himself so it wasn't he was like it was fine i didn't worry about it was a guitar yeah it snapped in half no it bother. was like the at the the bottom of the neck um yeah it, it just snapped <laughs> off <laughs> like with sellotape and stuff, just <laughs> yeah. holding it together yeah it's in like shit no it actually no it's great um yeah he just glued it back together but yeah uh, even with all of those obstacles like even halfway through the drummer the drummer is so badass that he kind of has to take these breaks every now and again where he just does <laughs> these really long monologues on stage um and he was like he was just saying that like the the crowd were making such a difference for them that they were like really tired but the crowd were really helping and that was that was a nice thing to, it's nice to get that acknowledgement and, and sometimes it, w- it was a good crowd for like yeah it was a t- really good Tuesday crowd night. it was about 100 150 i'd wow, say it's pretty good yeah they're very good they go have, see Deerhoof if yeah they the have city. diehard fans i think like again me and Ashling wouldn't exactly be huge Deerhoof fans but we have i am now <laughs> we have friend who <laughs> who would be a very big Deerhoof fan? He's not even a very big Deerhoof fan. Well, he's loud. <laughs> he's loud <laughs> enough to make you go to any gig. Uh, he loves gigs. Um, he loves he loves music. He loves he loves being music. involved. Um, so we kind of went along, and I had w- I had seen them in the pub a couple of years ago, and uh, the only thing I had remembered from that gig was holy shit, that fucking drummer can play the shit out of the drums. I've never like, seen anyone hit the drums. Yeah. Hard. Like, you know, the the stick would, like, snap out of his hand. It was so such a hard hit, like... Does he have a drum face? You know, like, does he pull... You're not paying attention to that. You're just like, what the fuck are you yeah. doing? My guts are all over the place. <laughs> I, I think if you yeah, notice actually, yeah. a drummer has a drum face, that's all you can look at. You're like, okay, he has, he has a, he can play the drums. I don't drums, think he had the time um, to have... It, what I did notice is that he was like, like he was almost having like a little conversation in his head with himself. So every so often you'd see him kind of like, you know, he'd kind of go to hit something and then make a little face as if like, what? what am I doing? Oh yeah, then I'm doing <laughs> that. And then uh, there was one bit where there was a guy like taking loads of pictures and he just looked at him and kind of made a camera motion. You can't really tell what I'm doing because <laughs> this is a podcast, I realise now. And he made I only like realise that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder what we were doing for so long. Um, I He made like a camera motion and kind of shrugged as if like, why are you taking loads of photos of me, man? I think oh, if you're noticing good. the drummer's drum face, the drummer's not doing a good enough job. Yeah. No, it's because like sometimes they just pull crazy faces yeah. and like just can't help but kind of go, well, look at his face and he doesn't <laughs> even know what he's doing. 
It's, yeah, it's that's this generally that's it if they don't if it looks like they don't know what they're doing <laughs> yeah. then that's a pretty good drummer yeah. <laughs> that was that was tuesday and that was like only the start of the week um that was that was tuesday night and then wednesday was ready walker and keel and sherlock i don't know if you've heard Ooh. of him what um, that handsome devil <laughs> i wouldn't say that now <laughs> um in the very 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 warm black mariah in the triscoll my word was it hot up there yeah yeah, yeah. it was very hot but um beautiful gig though again. yeah really lovely gig very mixed crowd as well which is nice it wasn't like it wasn't the all the people i thought would be there it was there was like a lot of older heads as well you'd see that you'd see going to like the folk festival and stuff like that um and that's uh, my crowd joe <laughs> Randy walker was um was very good um played what 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 oh we played a van morrison song covered a van morrison song um that right. was a really beautiful gig as apparently well. all the van morrison stuff is going digital shortly it should all be up on um spotify soon that's good because <coughs> you can get it on youtube but it's really bad recordings <laughs> and it has like a picture of him with like a stupid kind of water mark over the front of it so Thank God I can listen to some Van Morrison on the weekend. That sounds very different than anything else that's on YouTube. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Do you want to talk about your support slot, Keelan, or like your solo stuff? Um, I was very nervous. I haven't done uh, much solo things. I was very nervous. I actually, you could tell, couldn't you? Ah, yeah, like, but I blamed no the heat. wonder. I kept saying it was the heat. Uh, was the tuning nerves. was funny, but Bold V had problems with tuning, which was uh, <coughs> which is endearing. And uh, uh, do you want me to talk about your set? Because it'll sound weird if you're just talking about yourself. For once, someone can <laughs> take the mantle. Keelan's set was uh, was very nice. Um, I, I'm very, I'm pretty familiar with the songs now, but and I've seen a couple of his solo sets, but I really think it was a step forward in all of that. Um, and I think that everyone should be excited to hear what's going to come out of his musical mouth <laughs> next is it different thanks ashling is it different to anything else that you've done i'm gonna write your bio now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or, or like different to uh the shaker him stuff um it's a bit softer i guess i would say it's um yeah i don't know i'm just doing it to be honest i'm i'm trying to get as much up as possible like as much material as possible what it what it started off was offshoots of shaker him stuff that didn't make it onto the album that no one else apart from me was excited about so i just had to keep going and doing it um, and now it's turned into a, it's got a bit of a direction now. It's a bit kind of folkier than the Shaker Hymn would have ever gone, I guess. And ne- next on the list of with Thursday, oh, we talked about that Freeman's Folly in Charities was um, Dan Walsh and uh, Patrick Freeman playing covers. Um, it was I I made it in there very late, uh, but it was a really enjoyable twenty minutes that I was there. And then afterwards, um, Hoplet Animals in the Crane, who are just a fucking great cover band. Just really, really good. It's the basically all the guys from Wimper um, doing kind of rock stuff. Yes, Keelan? Um, I always say this, but Cork's, you know, like cover bands are kind of just as exciting as original bands. Oh, yeah, I was going to actually Cork. say we should talk about that. But like, it's like, yeah, if if you see... A cover band with a half decent name, go see them because they're but generally very good. But when you go to other cities, like I don't know because I don't live in Dublin, and when I do go there, I won't be going to see a cover band, for example. But like it would seem to me from my visiting Galway, co- uh, Limerick, Dublin, that the cover bands you see there are kind of doing, you know, th- the rounds kind of thing. It's like a way to make money, but that doesn't really happen. And that for me, that's always come from the 
kind of wealth of when I was growing up, there was people like Hank Waddell and Ray Barron and stuff and a couple of uh, Ricky Lynch and, and people who were sort of almost folk heroes in Cork culture, but they're playing um, Grateful Dead songs and stuff like that. And that was uh, like so exciting that that's where a lot of young local musicians now have actually learned how to play the shit out of the drums and the guitar. Um, and actually made some money doing it as made well. Made some money. Yeah. And so I always thought Cork had like a really healthy um cover band scene that isn't sort of your run of the mill killers covers and yeah people are actually like it's 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 thought out and like then like you had things like saxy lady boys um a year or two ago who were just doing funk and disco you know you've got a very big variety of um of options you know it's not just as you're saying just killers covers and things like that and kings and leon it's really good music played by really good musicians i grew up in uh like ross carberry clan of guilty so the bars would have been the main place i went and there was a couple of local bands there and there was one band called carnage who um they always played um with a k or with a c with a k yeah and they did a killer song uh you know the da, 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 the um i got soul but i'm not a soldier oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they n- I saw them about five times. I never saw them play, hit all the right notes in that song. <laughs> and I've just got... You as know, a band or <laughs> as a singer? Um, as, as a band. Okay. They always messed up the guitar a bit. Or it certainly felt like they messed up the guitar a bit. Maybe, <laughs> maybe eventually they were like, let's just... That's our thing now. Let's maybe that was just the killers. So like, I hear I hear a cover band and I'm kind of like, oh no, not Carnage. Yeah, but that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like post-traumatic stress syndrome. Yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> Every time you hear cover band, you're just brought back to that moment. So. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Um, That's exactly no. what it sounded like. What you do you think about bands that do covers in their sets? Like original bands who throw in a couple of covers? I think it's exciting sometimes because it's interesting to see what different bands pick as uh, as a cover. Um, like, you know, you've you've got things that work so fucking well. Like, you've got a girl band who do the Blau One tune. Mm. That just is a match made in heaven. Um, and even I remember the Altidowers used to do very, when they were very, very in their early stages, used to do a cover of Venus and Furs, which was incredible. Um, but, you know, it all depends on the people and their taste. It's, it's interesting. A lot of the times I think the covers, for especially for kind of newish bands or bands on their first album, it kind of feels like um, filler in their sets. Well, it me. is. <laughs> everything is filler yeah i guess so all killer or all filler no killer all killer no filler that's some 41 album yeah it's all killer no filler expect to see yeah. the shaker him doing some some 41 covers soon to fill their set do in too deep that's a uh, that's a good one will we uh move on and talk about the southern hospitality board gig so you yeah, guys those are guys are really cool you guys here. are the southern hospitality board mm-hmm. damn straight the coolest <laughs> promoters around <laughs> I, I hope not um <laughs> so like you you've had this gig booked for for a while it was in cypress it Avenue felt like on it was it was years and years Friday night. yeah it was, yeah. It was a long time coming together yeah it was it was it was, it was, it was a it was a, a tumultuous no, i can't say that tumultuous that's the word. great word Ashley. <laughs> I'm, I'm hitting all the big words today <laughs> you kind of you kind of did a good job i thought of um you know you had a couple of the local djs i think you got were you guys djing as well i was too stressed out on the night to yeah. go anywhere near the stage <laughs> <laughs> i wish i had uh but you know it seemed like a kind of a nice mix of yeah we people. had like uh keelan djs jack collins um 
Sunita, who's our other our third member of Southern Heart Strategy Board, and um, Justin, uh, who's just me and used to run the Hobo Convention, or still does run the Hobo Convention. So they are all on support. Um, and it was a really good mix because everyone was just playing like just good tunes, you know. Mm. It wasn't like well, what Peanut Butterwolf said when he started was like, you know, this is what every city needs, like DJs that don't just play the hits. We tried to do that kind of for every gig that's like not local bands because <coughs> they're already local, but for bigger acts because it's really exciting. I remember the first time that I or my band got to support like a big act and it was just so that that feeling it gives you momentum i think and so like it's really important to get local djs supporting bigger acts and yeah. local bands supporting a big band because when i don't know this is it's a, a, an obvious point to make i guess but like that that feeling of like oh they're only one step away from me like the thing that i'm holding in such high regard is only like standing over there yeah. you know i could they're be going on after thing. me like yeah yeah, yeah. Um, which was ro- lovely. Like, I mean, I was watching Justin DJ before Peanut Butter Wolf and like Wolf and Breakbeat Lou were sitting beside the stage and I was like, man, I'm glad that he's fucking DJing and not me because <laughs> I would be so nervous. <laughs> Even like, Sunita said that as well. Like she like stopped at one point and turned around and she was like, oh, hello, you're both sitting there behind me. What the hell? That's exactly the way she said it as well. <laughs> it was it was great vibes as well in there. Like people really went for it. People were so up for it and the thing that i took really deeply so up first yeah there's some great crazy. photos yeah. um like everyone stormed the stage and you know on invitation from wolf but like i don't think he expected it to be that as mental as it was yeah i think the leads got plugged out and that was the end of the gig but it was like it was really exciting they the, were really the happy about that because the two boys god bless them they were really really tired and jet lagged because yeah, um, the, they only arrived in london like the day before i think um on the thursday um so like wolf was just saying like um he was just working on eight hours behind the whole time you know getting up at 12 was like oh okay right yeah you know we get that a lot as well when you book gigs in art in in like cork i think because what you're usually doing is getting the band on their first or second date of the tour Mm. or on the very last day day or two of the tour so you're either getting um What's the what's the thing where you're hours behind? What you just said it? Jet lagged. <laughs> jet lagged. You're either getting jet lagged lads or ladies who are like you're holding up going like I hope they're I hope we get on, I hope they're cool and then they get off the plane and they're like, And they're Man, just not I human, like they're life. just they're just they're operating on this like very like, you know, basic level. <laughs> yeah. They're just going through the motions. I mean, they went through the motions very well on yeah, Friday. Jesus night. Christ. If or that was them on like half speed fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> or else you're getting them like at the end of a two or three month tour where they hate each other and they just don't wanna they just want to get home to their beds and stuff. Yeah, they want to see their pets and their families. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a fun thing to to say. No, it was like in. it was a really good night. It was um it was really good to see Cork out in force, you know. Um because when we booked it, we were both like, oh, oh what yeah, are we getting ourselves into? It's the biggest gig we've done um, financially. And um, we were fine now. Is it, is it nice kind of vindication as well? Kind of seeing everybody turn up and have such a good time. Yeah. And I don't even like when I, I went to collect the two lads at the airport and we were coming back in. Um, I said it to, to Peanut Butter Wolf. I was like, oh, we showed our Vinyl Ways a Ton, which is a great documentary about Stone's Throw records, mainly about Peanut Butter Wolf who runs Stone's Throw. And you should watch it if you haven't. Okay. Um, and he, 
I said to him that we had shown it in the Cork Film Festival last year. And he was like, oh, cool. So a few people know who I am. <laughs> but like after the gig, people were just grabbing on him being like, Wolf, Wolf. Oh, my God. Come back and tour the Charisma albums. I hope that's what your man said. Yeah, but, you know, people were upset. And like, you know, every every DJ in Cork was there with their records. Just like, you know, you sign this for me, please. I did the same. I didn't give a shit. I was like, you're here. Sign my record, please. And then like Sunday with the Sunday Times, I went to that in the Bowery and people were like hugging me for just like having brought him over. Like it meant so much to people to see someone that they really wouldn't expect to see in Cork. Like even kind of the two the two lads, Wolf and Breakbeat Lou were like, yeah, I mean, not know what to expect with Cork, we saw like the tour itinerary and it was like London with Banksy and Manchester <laughs> and V Festival and Cork. <laughs> but, you know, it meant a lot to people to get to see. I just I just wanted to I, I hope he got the idea that Cork is really like I feel like it's a sister city to Stone's Throw, you know, um, and like Mindzine, who we put on la- back in May um, is on Stone's Throw as well. And it just the it fits like Stone's Throw fits in with Cork. Even if people aren't aware of it, most of the shit you're listening to is probably on Stone's Throat. Sister City to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Worrying facts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Am I right in saying uh, the guys flew um, back home, back to the US, and are coming back for a Dublin gig? Like, was it this no, oh, no, no, they're, they're in, in Manchester, chilling oh, okay. out. I, um, I thought that they had flown back to the US. Yeah, they were playing in Manchester on Monday, and they had a couple of days off with Tim Gladwell because they needed a bit of a rest. And um, then they're playing the Banksy's Dismaland um, on Friday. They're playing the first gig there, which is crazy. And then they're coming to Dublin to the Sugar Club on Saturday. Okay, so this Saturday. This Saturday, depending on when you listen to this podcast saturday is the 29th yeah 29th yeah yeah um put on by the lovely folks at choice cuts is that all all of the gigs that we have to talk about now yeah i think so sunday was sunday times they're ever there they're they're one the last sunday of every month they were sort of the great ending to a week end that began with with the peanut butter wolf gig yes um <coughs> i wish i'd had the energy to go but i didn't but it was just lovely it was a really lovely sort of end of the summer i think if you can call this a summer <laughs> and they're at dimensions festival this weekend yeah as well. they're they playing there they're doing a boat party i think which is the go on the lads disco not lads down from galway as well so it was like it was a really packed and i think it was dean feeney's last sunday times as well so it was just a really exciting hardcore a lot of sweaty people up there which is great more of that <laughs> Lastly, on the point of everything this week, we're going to talk about um, something that kind of came to light in the last couple of days. Um, Tyler, the creator, has been banned from the UK for the next three to five years. Um, So the gigs that were supposed to happen, and including Dublin as well, were pulled last week. And everyone was like, what the hell is going on? Maybe he's exhausted. Maybe like he's been apparently he's done like nearly 100 gigs already this year um so everyone was kind of speculating and then yesterday um he tweeted uh, based on lyrics from 2009 i'm not allowed in the uk for three to five years although i was there eight weeks ago that is why the shows were cancelled um and then afterwards said in little star asterisks um listens to last three releases in confusion so basically what he's saying is that um his first two albums, Goblin and Bastard, um, lyrics in those were brought into question 
uh, even though apparently in the letter as well that was sent to him by the UK Home Office, Home, Office, Home Secretary, um, I, they acknowledged that he was speaking from an alter ego because um, Tyler, the Creator's first couple of albums were supposed to be all linking together in this like big movie thing. So Goblin and Bastard were written from... Um, were written from the point of view of someone else. Um, and in his last three releases, he's kind of grown up and... Um, and in his life. And in his life, you know, he was he was 17, 18 when those albums were released. But anyway, that's something we'll get onto in a minute. Um, so it's Theresa May is the Home Secretary in the UK. She sent him a letter and said, you're out of here for the next three to five years. Um, so it means that no title the creator in England and in the UK for three to five years. Owen is cynical of this whole thing. Oh, well, I, I was cynical in that it came from Tyler's point of view. Like, why wasn't it, you know, uh, we were talking about Snoop Dogg and Buster Rhymes being banned from the UK previously. Um, well, Snoop Dogg was an accessory to a murder. But but the way that it came out was it wasn't from Snoop Dogg that it came out. It came out like via the media and, you know, Th- that okay. kind of way and this is all stemmed from Tyler the Creator I mean when we were we talked about it I think it was on the first Point of Everything podcast um, mm-hmm. we were talking about it in, in relation to Australia and us kind of working through he's been banned from Australia as well so it seems like he's kind of stuck in <laughs> America my my theory on this is that Tyler come on over to Ireland do like a, like an 8 day you know play Claire play Kerry play in Monaghan like just play all over Ireland and we'll get all those English people over and spend their money here how about that uh, uh, that could work yeah he cancelled the Irish state just because I guess you know well he's not he, come he, thought over he got loads of flack for that because he thought he said like all of the UK dates and it was like Dublin oh, okay. isn't in the UK oh, right. Tyler well I will I will on the kind of touring uh, side of that usually what <laughs> happens is American acts get UK visas and then they just come over for a date and they don't get an yeah, Irish visa. Yeah, they sometimes get called on that. I d- anyway, that's that's you not need to get an Irish visa as well. Yeah, but it's it's it you've come through Cork Airport, right? Yeah, not from America. Oh yeah, same anywhere really. Yeah, they're all right. They're all right guys up there. Can can come through Cork Airport from America anyway. No, you can't. But <coughs> what I mean is, like uh, American acts often would think of it because their visa is a UK visa. Um, it was Ty- Tyler's manager, Kristen Clancy, uh, wrote that. Tyler um, was banned for uh, they cited lyrics that he wrote six or seven years ago and he says it's the type of lyrics he hasn't written since Um, he says that highlights from the lettering include that his work encourages violence and intolerance of homosexuality and fosters hatred with views that uh, seek to provoke others to terrorist acts and then the manager Christian Clancy just says I grew up on NWA, Eminem and Rage Against the Machine so it's hard it's hard to me hard for me it should be <laughs> to fully wrap my head around this thought process and its implications like i could i could start arguing like oh man if you had taken what i said when i was 18 you would call me out on a lot of stupid shit that i said but that's not really the point the point here is that someone said something and you're now not allowing them in it's ironic that this is happening at, s- at the same week that uh straight out of compton is being released and no one has a problem with multi-billionaire dr dre now well known for beating women beater, uh, yes uh with releasing that um film that has doesn't touch on any of the misogynistic 
kind of elements of Dre's life. Also, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to start defending Dre, because, but like the whole thing is reeks of stupidity, really, and and it shows how sort of out of touch the UK government are. I can will I say even more controversial shit? Um, I said it before. Okay. Yeah, there we go. No one's worried. I mean, if you're on the internet quite a lot, like I might be, you would notice that a big two big things that are happening in the world is there's a huge feminist agenda that is getting a, a very strong that's getting its message across I would say to like, you know, it's happening finally. And you're also seeing a lot of American things like Black Lives Matter happening on the internet. Who could possibly gain from pitting feminism against Black Lives Matter? Uh, uh, white men, maybe, again? What's, what's the UK government? <laughs> Who are the UK government majority backing? Oh, it's, it's conservative white men it does, again. It doesn't say, that obviously, there hasn't been really a statement issued by the UK government yet about this, but it in in what has what you were just saying there that the manager said there's no there's no sites of misogynism as a reason why he's not let in it's um inciting terrorist acts um and um provoke others to terrorist acts yeah yes provoking others <laughs> to terrorist acts and um bit rich coming from the home secretary but i, I mean <laughs> do, doesn't this kind of come back to free speech essentially i mean like the likes of jim davison have made a living on being misogynistic and saying some of the worst things. Most of the world has made a living on being misogynistic. <laughs> if we're going to get down to brass tacks, you know? Yeah, it's kind yeah, of Yeah, totally. Weird. Like, I don't know. Like, okay, I am just calling them out because Tyler, the creator, is an American black man in 2015. But I will say, like, you're this is... F- you are talking about free speech here. And I said it the first time. If you're going to start calling out Tyler, the creator, on his content and of which there are many layers to that content, the fact that he's uh, what, uh, he's got an alter ego and all these kind of things, you're going to have to start calling it a lot more people yeah. than Tyler, the creator. Which like M- and it, uh, Slim Eminem. Shady. Yeah. Slim Shady. I'm going to call him his own name because I can't <laughs> say this one. Um, Marshall Matters. Marshall Matters. <laughs> like, you know, like his, he should have been banned in his first album. Like, if this was really the issue, then Tyler should have been banned in 2009. Yeah, You no, know, that he should have been banned then, like, not now. Yeah, the problem here is that the that you're talking about a highly conservative government in the UK and as I said what what this whole thing really shows up I mean he's not going to be banned for three to five years he'll be banned for a couple of months and something will happen something always does happen Snoop and Buster Rhymes finally broke through that kind of mould uh, but um, you're just seeing uh, same with the Australian government is uh, governments that are out of touch with uh, reality and with the people that they're governing I'm trying to think of like I've, I've kind of got it slightly in my head of like some bands who just go you know some american bands who come to england and stir up controversy i think it was snoop dogg on his first tour was like that it was you know front page tabloid material because of all the stuff that he covered on the first album and it's kind of and it goes back further you know you can go back to um some of the early rap bands i guess who came over i'm sure that there was some yeah yeah Public Enemy would have had yeah. huge issues. In the and UK. then it kind of goes the other way as well uh, with the likes of the Sex Pistols too. So you're going from England to America and instantly being... Yeah, ultimately people just love being outraged and there's not enough outrage happening. It's, it's uh, internet culture, I guess, yeah. isn't it? I suppose, yeah, England is, is still one of those places where outrage is... is uh, like, Amer- Amer- like Americans love controversy, controversy and they love being outraged. But... 
England are still kind of like, oh, let's not bother, you know. Let's they can't go out in the streets and burn Tyler's MP3s like they could have in the <laughs> in the good old days. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a really, I just imagine a really dramatic scene of someone at their computer like putting Tyler's album into the recycling bin. <laughs> yeah. you know? and I'm then getting rid of this <laughs> shit. Empty trash, <laughs> bitches, you it, know. <laughs> it, is this just another uh, excuse for why you should buy physical music? Just yeah. So that just in case you need to uh, incite hatred or burn You know CDs. what, if you buy Tyler's his album to burnish then you're still giving him money like so jokes on you england yeah i think i don't know i think buying from itunes incites terrorism more than <laughs> 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 are we gonna have to finish Shut up, Keenan. <laughs> owen's gonna edit that one out um i think it's i think it's a it's a really sad thing um and i don't know i feel i feel bad like cause we all did fucking stupid things when we were eating you know um, whoever so imagine, you imagine if some of the stuff that you said when you were 18 came yeah. out like I mean we're recording well, like, ourselves got, now he's got like a world platform as as we talked about in the previous discussion where people listen to him and people follow what he has to say and it's just it's it's really it's like it's I don't know it's biting him in the ass now like um, it won't bite him in the ass this he's is still the best gonna thing make loads him. of money though like yeah it is good publicity or well, Tyler Hologram Oh shit! Or oh. live, you know the way they're doing all this shit recently with their their like live beaming theatre into different like the Rocky Horror. Imagine a world thing. where we're gonna start banning holograms. <laughs> How like horror? <laughs> oh well, I was gonna say horribly, but beautifully dystopian. That's gonna be. In the words of Kendrick Lamar, though, never gonna catch me because I ain't real. He didn't say that last bit, but he said never gonna catch me. Uh, <laughs> In the words of Ashling Rudin, never gonna catch me because I ain't real. <laughs> Okay guys, thanks for listening. This has been the point of everything. We've covered a lot of absolute uh, drivel and we were responsible for almost entirely all of it. And the um, big subjects. And the big subjects such as brilliant Irish bands. Um, we are on Twitter as uh, at TPOE, I guess. Is that your one? At TPOE. Blog, at TPOE. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you'll find us because we're going to be the only ones retweeting all of our episodes. <laughs> so you can find me and Ashling and Owen separately. Um, we'll be back next week uh, with another discussion on other oh, brilliant oh yeah things. we're, we're going to do a festival preview on Tuesday I think so hopefully it'll be up on Tuesday evening yes. or Wednesday yes. morning yeah we're all respectively going to the end of the road and electric picnic so we'll figure out yeah, the vibes we'll, at those places we'll, uh, we'll report back and let you know how we're doing see you again <laughs>